Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and I'm here with one of my co-hosts, Heather. Hello. Hi. So we've had three with Raimi. One of them was a complete disaster. We're going to do three with you. At some point, we're going to get all of us in the same place. It's, it's, it's going to happen at some point. So today we're going to talk about a movie about a group of socially awkward nerds who invites a peeping Tom to join their club, only to discover that they need the help of a Holocaust survivor to save them from a corpse, a dog, and a fish. So of course we're talking about The Monster Squad, and it premiered on the 14th of August, 1987, which is actually later than we thought. I thought it was like 85 or 86. And it was directed by Fred Decker, who also wrote it along with Shane Black. It's starring Andrew Gower, Robert Keeger, Stephen Macht, and Leonardo... Camino, Semino. He plays the scary German guy. Yes, that's actually his name. We don't actually get his name, do we? I don't think so. I looked on uh, IMDb I mean, and he's listed scary as scary German guy. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, I guess I'll start. So yeah, so the first time I saw this, it was at a drive-in theater, or it was supposed to be at a drive-in theater. A friend of the family had decided, "Hey, let's go," and so he packed his three kids in their van and. I guess mom and dad wanted a night to themselves, so packed mother, yeah, my sister and I into it, and I don't remember what happened was we wound up seeing it in a normal theater anyway. Maybe the, I don't, maybe they were sold out or something, but I don't know. I wasn't really thrilled about the idea of going to see this movie. It looked really stupid, and I didn't want to see it sitting in a car, but whatever. We wound up in a normal theater, and I, I really, I got a kick out of it. So some was this, uh, August 87, so this would have been the summer between grade six and grade seven. So I was still, I guess, a kid. I still played with G.I. Joe toys at that age. Shh. But <laughs> so do you remember when the first time you saw it? I think we rented it. Okay. Wasn't it wasn't a wasn't a, a theater a theater movie for you? No, we we didn't get out much. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But when my uncles would babysit us, they'd rent a video hey, to that... keep us quiet for two hours. Well, an hour and a half in this case, but yeah, yeah it's it certainly works. Um, okay, so what did you think about it when you first saw it? Uh, I thought it was great. It was a tremendously funny adventure. Okay. It was the, the kind of nonsense that my friends and I got up to. Really? Okay. Well, my, minus the actual monsters. Okay, I was, like, I was about to say, Edmonton no. sounds more fun than I, than I had thought. But, uh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's got that sort of 1930s, or we were saying, a 1930s universal monster movie feel to it. Like, it's scary, but it's not scary. It's like the, uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, like the Disney cartoon. It's scary, but not. And, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's adventure scary. It's not like a modern... I think this were made today to be blood and guts everywhere yeah. and lots of sex and jump scares, jump scares and you know all that crazy stuff. But they don't bother with that here; they just sort of have fun with it. Exactly. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. So I guess I, I would have been, well, I would have been twelve, and so you would have been. Would you say fourteen? Fourteen. Yeah. yeah so, um, so you've just seen it the first time. What thirty years? You said about that. Yeah. What stands out to you? Like, what's the big standout? Is what is it about it? It's still fun. It's just the fun. It's it's so much fun. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, for me, it's. I think it's got to be that it's. It goes for that 1930s universal movie monster motif, and it just runs with it. Like Dracula looks like Bella Lugosi. You know, Lon Chaney look. I mean, it, that's. Uh, you know, that's like that's Frankenstein's monster. Like these are right out of it. The only one who seems to have gotten an update is the Mummy, who looks badass. Yeah, the, I, the I love, Mummy's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm pretty sure they just went to the 1950s and someone said make me that you know or the yeah. or the wolfman like that's that might as well be michael landon and i was a teenage werewolf yes you know 
So let's sort of go through the scene by scene. Well, not every scene because that could take us, you know, an hour, an hour and 45 minutes like our, uh, our Crash and Top Gun podcast. So it starts off in, it, with actually the crawl which I thought was really cool. Like you get the, the text crawl and it, it's very dramatic about once every hundred years, there's this amulet, blah, blah, blah. And Van Helsing and his people, you know, get ready to do battle with the forces of evil. And they blew it. Which is gives you an idea right off the bat of the attitude this film has. Like a very 80s, snarky, I'm too cool for school attitude. Right. And, that, and I got a kick out of that. Like right off the bat, you know, okay, it's that sort of film. It doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time it looks cool because you know the next thing we see is their castle and my god that castle's right out of a hammer film like these old these horror movies from the 50s 60s and 70s um you know most of our listeners wouldn't have seen those but if you've seen peter cushing who plays moff tarkin in the star wars films or his you know his undead golem version in rogue one or uh what's his name who played sauron in lord of the rings christopher lee he like this is where they made their careers in these sorts of movies I and mean, christopher lee played dracula in about uh he must have been 20 films or something ridiculous like that and this this castle's like right out of that it's an awesome matte painting and it's got it looks cool you know and you know, we see that, you know, he, he sleeps in a coffin and he opens it up and out come the spiders. Like all the, the ew moments you expect from a 1930s film. It's very cool. And then we get the bats. <laughs> it, that's a, those bats, like you can see the wires and the bobbing. It's like, those are like from, from like, it's almost like, you remember Hilarious House of Frankenstein? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of quality. But how the hell else do you do bats? You put real bats in there; they're gone in a second on that yeah, set. They're they're not interested in acting. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it's I, I I like that it's it's cheesy. Like despite the fact that they clearly spent a pretty penny on this film, it's still cheesy as hell. Well, it, it was the '80s. This is true. You know, this is true. They they were not yet taking those sorts of movies seriously. Though thankfully, Dracula doesn't sparkle, which is I think. Oh. We, we, ugh, yeah, sorry. That sends a shiver down my back. <laughs> Dracula's from yeah. there. Uh, no, <laughs> vampires do not sparkle. Yeah, well, one hopes not. Maybe they burn, but uh, they don't sparkle. But, uh, and then, you know, we have the mob scene, which is, again, right out of... Actually, uh, uh, Frankenstein. Yep. But the same sort of thing. The standard, when you ever hear the term, you know, pitchforks and torches, this is it right there, you know, developed by Universal Studios. You know, angry guys with pitchforks and torches and dynamite, apparently. Um tremendously ineffective dynamite this is true and the fact that you know castle dracula has a wooden gate how useful is that in propelling a medieval army just gotta you know it's wood it's like balsa wood (laughs) it's i don't get it but okay but you know it's really cool because they you know they of course they blow this up and it it makes us great you know the, the balsa wood gate makes a great explosion and they charge in and there's the bride of frankenstein and what was she drinking? It was like a possum? It was like an opossum, yeah. In, 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 in Transylvania. Well, that's okay, because there were armadillos in the basement. Yes. I don't think armadillos live in Transylvania. I could be wrong. I've never been to Romania. Uh, no, nor But I. But I don't remember. The, armadillos was an interesting choice. Maybe because they're slick and slimy looking from yeah. a distance. I mean, they're cute little things, but from a distance, I don't know. I, maybe Ex- they, extra large rats. Well, that's the thing. Like, you think, like, they ordered rats for the scene, and the guy showed up with armadillo going, well, or flipping through the paperwork there, I think there might have been an error here. Hmm, let me call my boss. Okay, whatever, we got to film. Just give me the goddamn armadillos. So she's sucking on a possum, and she gets a, uh, a crossbow bolt to the, uh, to the heart, and down she goes, and 
Then they drag in the virginal German girl, who of course is barefoot, but they do it so well, like she's you know grasping her skirt and she's looking around. She's so scared. And that's, that's how you can tell she's a virgin. She's grasping her skirt. Is that how that works? Yeah, no shoes and and uh, clutching her clothing. Cl- clutching yeah. her clothing. Okay, fair. I'll cut, tell you. So, <laughs> but yeah. So they, you know, they they do this 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 really cool. You know, she has to read from a book, and and it, it's funny because I mentioned this in the film. The crawl at the beginning says they blew it, but they kind of didn't. They did the ritual right. It creates the vortex. I guess the way they blew it is Dracula and the Wolfman and the rest of these guys weren't there to be sucked into the vortex. The the, the good guys went in the vortex. Yeah. The, well, and the dead body of the... Well, yeah. And, and all those corpses that started rising out of the ground as this German virgin is, you know, reading this text. and. Verata. <laughs> you, you referenced two classic movies in one shot. The Day of the Earth That Still... And of course, Army of Darkness. Klaatu, Verada, <laughs> So that's a good one. If that wasn't 90s, we'd have to do that one, I think. Sorry. Let's go. Damn it. <laughs> and then, of course, immediately we switch to present day, or as you say, present day ish. Ish. Yeah. <laughs> 1987, 20. 17 on the cusp of 18. It's close yeah. enough. Yeah. The fashion gives it away, though, I think. Oh, you know. Those <laughs> jeans, man. Well, those, yeah, and, 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 and the jean skirts and the big the big uh, shoulder pads and the big hair on the girls. And, and the I mean, neon shorts. The neon shorts, those are, those, are, those are winners and the high top, you know, oh, all that. It's, yeah. You know, I was never very fashionable, and I'm thankful for that in terms of the 80s, i got to say. Yes. I'm still not fashionable, but these days no one cares. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty cool. You know, we meet these two, and Sean, and I can't even remember what the other kid's name is, cool kid with his, with his Ray-Ban sunglasses sitting in the principal's office. And we learn that they're in a monster club, and he draws very badly, you know, spider with human head. Like, okay, I'm not an artist. I draw crooked stick men, but I'm sure I could do better than what looks like a beetle with a tiny human head on it. Help me. <laughs> trying to fly. Help me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, a bad 50s film. But of course, that's the sort of movie they would have liked. So maybe that's appropriate. I don't know. Right. But, you know, and, and, and they have to show that all the, the adults in the movie are squares. So you got the principal, you know, guys... Call me a big kid, but I think science is cool. It is, by the way. I oh, yeah. dig it, man. And of course, the minute you know he does that, he's in the fifties or the sixties, and they sort of look at each other like, "Who is this guy?" You know, I was like, "Okay, you know, adults are uncool." You know, and then they and they're sort of walking along and they're making fun of that teacher, the one with the cat head, because she's got that weird. Because she totally did. This is true. Yeah, she does have that haircut and she's yeah. got that mean look to her. But I actually found it kind of shocking the way they talk about the um, the principal. He puts his hand on the kid's shoulder and they're like, oh, what a total homo. And it's, okay, shocking. I'm not shocked. I've seen this film 50 times. But I guess today that would not go over. But in the 80s, that is unfortunately the way these kids spoke. That's the way we talked. Yeah. yeah. But you know, that's the cool thing about this film. These kids are kids. They're like, th- these days you'd hire like 17-year-olds to play 13-year-olds. These are kids, and they, like we made this comment a few times through the film, they talk like kids. I loved it. Yeah. You know, like their, their, their insults are bad. Band-Aid breath, 
okay, the mummy is really insulted by that, but like they're, they have no idea how to swear because they're like 11 and 12. They have no clue. So they just make up crap. Right. And, and unfortunately the homo and stuff like that. Yeah. That's right there in the, like, unfortunately that's the culture. Thankfully we're not there anymore, but you know, it's, it is neat to hear them talk like, well, unfortunately me and my friends talked. (laughs) Especially when something had happened that you didn't quite understand. Yeah, you, your immediate was to lash out like so for some you know, lash out like that. Yeah, exactly. And it was a little, yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know, kids of a certain age, yeah. I suppose. We somehow survived. Hey, we even had lawn darts. Right. Yeah, and I'm I'm still here. Me too. <laughs> yeah. uh, then we get to see we get to meet Horace, or as he's called even by his friends, Fat Kid, which sucks. And we get to see him being beat up by the older brother from the Wonder Years, and. He, he tears up his comic and he, you know, he, he punches him and all that sort of stuff. And then the big kid shows up, Rudy, and Rudy's in junior high. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he's a big tough guy, but he smokes and he's got the 1950s leather jacket and the Ray-Ban glasses and the hair. It's not quite a duck, it's called a ducktail, I think, the 1950s haircut with the, the swoop up front. But he's got like a very 50s nostalgia rebel without a clue or cause sort of feel to him and he drives a shitty little bike because he's in junior high and you know obviously the kids are afraid of him he makes him eat the eat the smushed chocolate, smush chocolate bar the funny thing is we never figure out how it is that rudy is friends with a square like horace the fat kid like that never gets explained but there, <laughs> there's a lot that doesn't get explained in this film and we just run with it because it's a cool film exactly. <laughs> yeah so he you know he um we learn that Horace has got this older friend and he wants to invite him into the, uh, into the monster club. And we learn that while these guys hunker behind the fence of scary German guy. Not that I have any, not that we have any idea who this guy is. He's apparently just some guy on welfare, but apparently he doesn't owe a mower because that, that yard, yeah, (laughs) that yard doesn't look like it's seen a lot of work in 30 years. And we, and we do get a jump scare. And he gives me the creeps. He's just a dude on welfare. Maybe he's the German spy. Oh, good one. We're not at war with Germany anymore. One more with Vietnam. What? It's in Rambo. You guys missed oh. it. Oh, Rudy saved my life. Oh, yeah. So there is a there is a jump scare. Yeah, there 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 is a jump scare, uh, and you know it, it's cute, but it's it's sort of a it's not a scary jump scare. Like it's just it's a kid. You know, it's a yeah. it's a kid's thing. And we were introduced to Sean's little sister Phoebe who behaves like a kid at that age. What is she like? Well, she's not in school, so I'm guessing she's like... I think six. they said she was five. Five? Yeah. So, in kindergarten, it would be half day, so... Yeah. I mean, she seems to spend a lot of time outside of school with a big monster, and mom doesn't notice, but whatever. Well, mom's got other things mom, on her mom. Yeah, like packing to move out, uh, as we discover later. But yeah, we get introduced to sort of the gang. We've got Sean, who's way too intense. He's the head of this monster club. He owns the clubhouse, and I don't like him. Because he's like, he's too with it. Like he's more mature. Okay, that's not the best word. He is, he thinks like someone who's about three years older than this kid is. And I just, I don't know, he doesn't jive with me. Uh, he's really intense. Father who's a cop. Uh, he's aware his parents are having troubles. Yeah. It'll make you a little older. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And then Horace, who's kind of clueless, but he's, I mean, he's clearly a nice kid. But, you know, even his friends call him fat kid. Like, really that's kind of jerky but of course that's the 80s bullying was cool i guess and uh i can't remember the other kid's name the kid of the ray bands i, I got nothing yeah <laughs> I think we, we just finished watching this movie 10 minutes ago and we already can't remember and then there's phoebe the phoebe 
because that's what he calls her. Yep. Get out of here, Phoebe the Phoebe. And now there's Rudy. Or maybe there's Rudy. We have to give him a monster test first. Right. So then we go up to what is the, you know, a cool-looking treehouse, I gotta say. Overhanging a swamp. That's not a disaster and a tragedy for the lo- for the evening news waiting to happen or anything. Oh, no, it'll, it'll be fine. Yeah, until, yeah. you know, Dracula blows it up later. But, you know, whatever. They'll build a nicer one. You know, he's they're in the they're in this this clubhouse and like that's quite the clubhouse it's got. If you notice, it's got like the back seat of a car in it. They're sitting on. Oh, I missed that. Like that's not light. Yeah. That, so like that's a really well built treehouse. I'm impressed. And Rudy discovers he likes it because, as we discover, he's a pervert. He's a peeping tom. <laughs> and we get our first view of kind of sort of '80s boobs. Very important in an '80s film. I'm assuming the actress was 18 or older. I don't imagine that would have been cool. I mean, she just didn't yeah, underwear. But she'd have had to have been. I, I mean, I, I suppose we could look it up, but I'm just not that motivated. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and he's 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 checking her out, and you know, it turns out it's Ray-Ban kid's bigger sister. She'll play in later, but yeah, and it's kind of funny. I got a kick out of the the test. Like, they think they know everything about monsters because they like monsters. Therefore, they must be experts. Two ways to kill a werewolf: silver bullet, and that's it. Shoot him with a silver bullet. Nope. Sorry, Rudy. <laughs> Okay, so what's the other way? What? Second way to kill a werewolf. Um, car crash? Accident with power tools? Old age? Falling out of a window? Onto a bomb? Which we discover doesn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. Um, yeah, and it's just, I get a kick out of that, you know, and, and we learn that these really are kids. Like, they've got the no girls sign on the hatch and, you know, a cute little dialogue exchange. My mom, you know, mom says, if you don't let me in, it's prescription. And, he said, <laughs> and you know, and Sean says... Read. Mom says you have to let me in the club or else it's prescription. That's discrimination, jerkoid. Prescriptions, drugs, which are on if you think you're getting up here. Come on, Sean, I know about monsters. Um, I get a kick out of that. Like that's that's subtle writing right there. Yeah, but it, it's, it's kid stuff. It's it is kid stuff, but it's it's a nice turn of phrase. Like it's, it's not. This is an Aaron Sorkin, but it's got a nice flow to it. That as a writer, I appreciate. It's like. You know, prescription is drugs, which is what you're on. If you think you're getting up, you're slam. Nice. I got a kick out of that. We actually missed a part. We missed the bomber. The World War II bomber with uh, the, the sarcophagus. Oh, is yeah. In it. yeah. So, yeah. So, naturally, it's like a World War II. looks like a B-17 bomber. This is 1987. So, this is like a 45-year-old bomber. But it still seems to work. There are plenty of movies that show these old bombers being used as cargo carriers. I wonder if they actually work. Because you have the bomb bay. It's easy to load stuff in the back. And Yeah. You know, it's probably, probably the, the studio probably had a model they could film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so we learned that for whatever reason, this one plane is transporting Dracula from Transylvania, Frankenstein's monster from Bavaria, and actually that's it. It's just the two of them, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so they hear through the loud bomber. Right. Because you can hear subtle noises in a bomber. Yeah, you know, and with his earphones on. I'm depressed. What for? What do you mean, what for? I'm flying a World War II bomber with wooden crates in it and dead bodies. I should have a party. Do they complain? Do they get airsick? Do they ask for more of the little almond things? You're right. This is a great job. I'm really happy. I thought they were dead. They are. Yeah. And he goes back and he sees that there's a bat. The same flying bat that's held on uh, three strings. One with one that hold him up and the other to flap the wings. And... It flies over him, and he looks behind him, and it's Dracula. Remember, because he's sort of 
Yep. The, the camera pans. That's a cool shot, though. I got to admit, him standing oh, yeah. there in that. Okay, yeah, it's the shitty 1930s Bella Lugosi outfit, but. But still. They chose a good actor. Yeah. He's got the right bone structure, and they make him look really gaunt with the makeup, and he's cool at it. Yeah, he's, he's really all menacing good. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so the guy freaks out, and you know the pilot freaks out and pulls the bomber bomb day, bomb bay doors open, which conveniently lets Frankenstein out to land in just where he needs to be, just at the swamp he needs to be, and you know uh, Dracula sort of transforms and off he goes. Well, Dracula's just that good. I guess he must be. Yeah, so then, then there's the monster test, and we realize that, uh, you know, that Rudy is a creep and uh, probably, you know, deserves a talking to by the local sheriff, but it's the 80s, unfortunately. You know, of course, we learn later that the photo, that the uh, picture developer doesn't seem to mind either, so that's, <laughs> no. you know, ooh. So, and then, neither does uh, Frankenstein's monster, actually. That's true. He may not understand what he's looking at, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I, 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 I think I don't want to explore yeah, you know, let's, let's not go whether there. Frankenstein's into you know, yeah. high school chicks. And then we get to, you know, then we finally get to meet Sean's family in the kitchen. And we learn, you know, it's pretty clear that Sean's father, who's a cop, and his, and his wife are on the outs. Very standard. This is like the thing with the 80s. I don't know what it is with 80s kids films that every 80s kid has a parents who are about to divorce. Like, I get it. The divorce rate spiked with the arrival of no-fault divorce. But... It'd be nice to see a mom and dad that love each other without having to go through trauma first. I'm silly that way. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's really cool. It's a pretty standard family. And, and, and this is where we learn that, you know, they've got a, uh, I'm not sure how this happened, but a mom picked up a Van Helsing's diary at a, a local, uh, at a local, a local garage sale. Yeah. And it's from Shadow Brook Road, which yeah. As we were watching, I've seen this film so many times, it only dawned on me as we were watching it, Shadowbrook Road is a reference to Shadowbrook Lane, which is where the Munsters live. And this is only one step above that in monster seriousness, the Munsters to this. It's about this, it's, you know, it's not quite there, and it's not as clever as the Adams Family was. But, you know, whatever. So it's a nice little reference, and that's cool, and he thinks this is a really cool book. It, it... What's this, Mom? Huh? Oh, I got that for you today at Jane Burge's garage sale. It says it's from that old house up on Shadowbrook Road. Holy shit. Uh, sir, cow, I'm sorry. Mom, do you know who wrote this book? Yeah, it's what, Van Helsing something. Now, he's the one that fights Godzilla, right? Dracula, Mom. Well, then which is the really tall one? That's Godzilla. Oh, my God. Abraham Van Helsing. This is great. <laughs> this is German. <laughs> so, okay, whatever. It's it's one of those things. I think maybe another ten minutes might have explained how the book got into his hand. Did someone arrange that? Is someone working behind the scenes? Whatever he winds up with it. It's it's an eighties film. Just accept it and move yeah, on. Yeah, just right? just go just go with it. Yeah, and then we cut we cut back to Dracula, and he's sort of on this cliff, looking over the town. Let it begin, and it's all dramatic. He's got this nineteen thirties hearse with a a skull hood ornament and. Couldn't be more overly dramatic 1930s monster if he tried. Let it begin. I'm sure they could try, but that would just get into camp. And that's what I like. This movie never gets campy. Nope. It walked that fine line. Yeah. And and so, and so I honestly wonder, like, I mean, I've been going through the Marvel movies recently, and it's like some of them, you know, I, I made the comment of, like, was it Iron Man 3 that 
there's the line you cross and after that you stop liking the character and they pull vault of that line because the writers didn't understand subtlety but here in this crappy low budget everyone forgot about it 80s movie they got that line just right yeah and that's the art direction that's fred decker the director that's the actors that's the music it never you never roll your eyes and go oh come on and i like that it's really cool yeah and and that's the part that i find really really fun it's like yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah and then and, and that's what i appreciate the balance of it and you know kids these days i know that this movie is popular with them my when the DVD came out, this is now 12 years ago or 10 years ago, I loaned it to my sister so her two children could watch it. And it took me like a year to get it back because they they didn't want to give it up because they loved the film that much. And that's pretty cool. I mean, these are you know young kids in the 2000s, and yet they really got a kick out of it. Yeah. So clearly it still works. It's a pretty intense film. Like the look of it, the music's really intense. Dracula's kind of scary looking. Again, now, okay, yeah, he's in a funny looking tuxedo with a frilly thing in the front but up until the 90s that's what dracula looked like yeah totally. in, in popular culture right he was a bavarian nobleman and you know it, it seems kind of intense but of course this is the thing with the 80s is that the films were violent and they were scary and kids watched them and likes and like with lawn darts we somehow survived well the well, the smart and quick ones. Anyway. The smart and quick ones. Yeah, those who, those who didn't didn't well they they did survive, but with a cool scar and a, <laughs> and a story to go with it. Yeah, and then we see then we we go up and we see uh, you know we get to we, we this is where we we get to see that uh, dad and mom and dad Sean's mom and dad are on the rocks because dad is shaving because he's heading out with mom and we learn that it's um, it's marriage counseling and Sean's pissed because he wants to go see groundhog's day 12 this obviously is before the actual movie with harold you know that harold ramus directed groundhog's day which is kind of a horror film of its own though a wonderful film but yeah groundhog's day i mean obviously it was meant as a joke on friday the 13th and halloween and all you know april fool's day all these slasher films around uh around holidays and they know that they're bullshit like that's one thing i like is that not only does the the writer and the director know that those sorts of films are silly but so does the father. I want to see this movie. Easy, pal. It's only a movie. Look, tomorrow night, you and I will go see Groundhog Day. I'll get him early. Tomorrow night? That'll be too late. The guys will blab the entire plot. Plot? Did I hear plot? Sean, it is a guy with an axe. Anyway, I thought they killed him in the last one. They did. And he returns from his grave. He returns from the grave? Sean, he always returns from the grave. If they blew him up, put his head in a blender, and mailed the rest of the pieces to Norway, he would still return from the grave. That was part seven. Yeah. Like, so they know it's a joke, and, and, and that's cool. Like, this kid isn't... In a lot of horror movies, kids don't know they're in a horror movie, and they don't know that horror movies exist. Right. This isn't quite Scream, where these kids realize they're in a horror movie. Not literally, but they recognize that what's going on is horror movie-like. Sean isn't there yet. But he knows the movies he watches are ridiculous. Because mm -hmm. I mean, he—if he, you see the the, the posters in his treehouse, it's like the thing, and you know the. Actually, I don't think it was the thing. It was something close to. It was the, all the. It's like the classics. Yeah, and there was like the Godzilla poster, and 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 like the, you know, it came from the desert, like those sorts of nineteen fifties made on a budget of three dollars, uh, sort of films, and and he appreciates that. You know, he he likes those films, so he knows what he's watching is shit, and he he's cool with that. Yeah. So he doesn't get to see it. Oh well. But then a phone call comes through. 
from the station. And this is where things, this is where, you know, let it begin. We get to meet a very angry guy at the police station screaming, I'm a werewolf, lock him up. And it's clear they want to because he's screaming like a lunatic, but then he fights them and he beats them up and he pulls a guy's gun and shoots in the air and yells, lock me up. Like, dude, they were trying to. Let them. Let, let, Let them do their job. You know, like, all he had to do was go and make a confession. I'm an axe murderer. Lock me up. I'll tell you in the morning. But, they had to show him panicking because, you know, the full moon is coming. Right. They, they had to get him in the hearse somehow. This is true. Well, the hearse of the uh, the coroner's van, but yeah. Oh, sorry. And we, and, we, and we had to see that he's the wolfman. But I like that he only becomes the wolfman when he sees the moon. Because we only see him turn twice. And the first time he's in the station, and he's freaking out. And it's only when they slam him against the counter, and he looks out, and he can see the moon. Then he gets wicked violent. But he doesn't have a chance to he, change. He didn't his. actually turn though. He just got that's true. He gets scared he, and panicky. Yeah, but he, he, I mean, he gets shot, right? Yeah. But then the next time we see him, so you're right. So there, so yeah, my bad. So he doesn't quite change, but it's clear he's about to. Yeah. Because then when we see him in the coroner's van, when the moon is exp- when he's sort of exposed actually, to the moon, yeah. Then he changes from underneath the coroner's sheet and all that, and this is where we learn the standard '80s lesson of don't listen to music on your Walkman, you damn kid. Exactly. Because, because of course he's dead. And, you know, that one's, uh, like, that. that's kind of neat, because the guy, like, he's he's an unwilling, like, the, the wolfman is, who you know, we never get this guy's name, he's an unwilling participant in this. Like, there's, you know, a, a movie today would probably spend an entire episode, you know, ag- with him agonizing over how he's being forced to serve, you know, the Dark Lord yeah. sort of thing. Here's, ah, fuck, just, you know, he just wants to get away. Right. And in the end, he's quite appreciative when someone guns him down, which is... Okay, I'll, I'll I'll go with that. Fine. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Last words. Yeah, exactly. And then we go to the museum. That's where we learn that a mummy, because this crappy little town, wherever this is, has a kick-ass Egyptian section to its museum, and they've got a mummy. The, well, the, they had a mummy. They had a mummy. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, the British Museum has trouble holding on to its mummies because of, you know, antiquities laws. But some podunk little town, they've got a mummy. Like, again, had a mummy. And, you know, it's one of those things, like a, a couple clever shots where he says, like, you know, the mummies don't just get up and walk away. And what's the next scene? Him dragging himself <laughs> down the street. Which is hilarious. I, yeah. I got I a good kick the, out of that. The mummy was so well done. Yeah. He is, he's scary. Like the, the jaw and the eyes and the fact that he's so thin. Yeah. My favorite mummy is the Peter Cushing. Again, Moff Tarkin, for those who remember Star Wars. He did a great... Um, the Mummy in 1953. It was a Hammer film. That's really good. But the guy in the Mummy outfit was like this, not a buff guy, but not some super skinny guy. He was filled out, and it looks like it. But a Mummy is going to be super skinny because his organs have been taken out. Yeah, he's all he's all dried up and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So here they must have chosen some super skinny. I don't know what, but it's clearly a guy in a suit. But it just it makes it look cool because he's he's emaciated. And you don't really see the skin because they didn't have a budget to make the skin look good. So screw it. Let's bandage them all up. And just having him sort of wander down the street. And of course, he's got the arm up and he's dragging the leg right out of those old Universal Monster movies. I love this. Yeah. This is a sort of film I can honestly see parents taking their kids and saying, I saw those movies when I was a kid, too. Exactly. Like it's a nostalgia trip for them. For me, I was a big movie buff even then. So I I kind of appreciated those movies, even though, ironically, I never liked them. I never liked Bela Lugosi's Dracula. I never liked Lon Chaney's Frankenstein, which I only saw a few years ago. 
I just found it boring. The Creature from the Black Lagoon is an awful film. I have the, the Universal released these really cool DVD packs where it had like all of the movies of a given monster. And the ones for The Mummy, and most of them were these crappy films they sort of pumped out because everyone liked those monsters and they wanted more. But the original The Mummy, which is like 1930-something, it's just not a good film. But the imagery is all there. It's like the idea, it's more like I like the idea of the films than I like the films, I think. Right. You know, and I think that's what these, uh, I think that's what this movie was going for. It's the idea of the universal mm -hmm. monster movie. It's not the dark universe of Tom Cruise's <laughs> the, Tom Cruise's the Mummy, which oh. uh, there's no way I'm seeing that. There's no way I'm paying money to, to see that. It's not that I have a problem with Tom Cruise's. The movie looks so stupid. Anyway. Well, after that is the coroner's van, of course. That's right. where, you know, he grows up. And again, we learn, the, we learn the lesson. Don't ever listen to loud rock and roll music on your Walkman, you damn kid, or you'll get killed by a werewolf or whatever. Oh, yes. And then Dad comes home, and we see that uh, Sean's watching Groundhog's Day 12. Conveniently, his house can see the drive-in. The yeah. Drive yeah. And, and the trans and the radio transmitter, because for those who don't know drive-ins, you would tune into a particular station on the radio, and that's how you'd listen to the film. They're a good mile away, and he's picking that signal up pretty well. Uh, I'm, it's a clear night, line of sight. Fair enough, yeah, but it's a shitty old radio with like yeah, probably no. D batteries. I don't know, but it is amusing. And, you know, it's kind of neat. Like, it's a neat father-son moment because, you know, the, the dad comes home. He's got Burger King. You know, he's he sits there and he watches it with his son. Like, it's... You know, I wish my mom let me sit on the roof in, my, in our house, but it's kind of it's kind of neat. Again, you know, 1980s lawn darts. It's cool. It's 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 one of the few cool adult moments, like because the adults are all such squares. Yeah. But this one's kind of cool. Except his dad. Except his dad, who's you know the typical workaholic 1980s dad. You know, honey, I'm sorry, I can't go to our our you know our marriage counseling meeting. I had a bad night at the office. You know, with a werewolf and a mummy, and okay, worse than most, admittedly. Very standard 1980s. Uh, but that's a nice moment, I think. Absolutely, it's a pretty cool moment. Yeah, and then we see you know the we see the the uh, the lieutenant, this black cop, sort of the the fa Sean's father's. I don't even know what Sean's father's name is. I think Dell. Was it? Yeah, it's Dell. It's, it's, weird. it's a weird name. I don't know who names our kid Dell. Like, they really like computers or something. But um, I think it's before Dell's time. But in any case, yeah, Dell's black partner has gone on to see the, the crashed corner van. And he thinks this is hilarious. That's what I love about him. This is bullshit. And he knows it. Yeah. Like, he's he makes fun of the, the museum guards. Like, so nobody took the money. I would have heard them. Of course he would have. A stupid question. Did you take him? No, sir. Just a shot. That's it, Dale. This case is too hard, man. Let's be firemen instead. I'm glad you're getting major laughs out of this, Rich. The problem is, 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. <laughs> and he's like, like he, even up to the end, like actually pretty much right up till he's killed, he's laughing at this. This is ridiculous to him. Like, they're no yeah. monsters. Come on. This is silly. You know, and, and that's cool, though, because he's in, he's almost in on the joke. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like the Marvel movie, um, the one that I, I got to with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone's winking at the camera. And that's cool. Like, it's it's a funny film because people are having fun with it. Right. And you're invited to be in on the joke. And that, I love a movie that invites you to be in on the joke as opposed to invites you to mock the characters. Because then you have a movie that's cruel. This one, they're having fun and they'd like you to have fun with them. Right. And I thought that, I, I just, I appreciate the gentleness of that. Because it is a kid's film after all. 
Exactly. Well, the way these kids bully each other, even their friends, I'm not so sure how gentle it is, but the fact that it's, you know, that this character, he's like this, this, this lieutenant, he's sort of like us. Oh, come on, there are no monsters. Like if someone came to you and said, I'm a wolf man, you'd lock him up, but not because he's a wolf man, but because... Different reasons. Different yeah. reasons, yeah. Let's get you one of those really stylish jackets that have the really long sleeves that do up in the back. Oh, yes, and then they resurrect Frankenstein. Yeah. In like the coolest monster movie scene ever that he drives up to the swamp and finds Wolfman waiting for him with his bloody shirt because he's been shot, but not with a silver bullet nope. or accident with a power tool. And the mummy shows up again, still the coolest looking, coolest looking uh, monster and the coolest looking mummy I've ever seen. And the creature from the black lagoon lifts Frankenstein's sarcophagus out of the water. How convenient that at 20,000 feet, the bomber pilot pulled the the bomb bay door lever open just in time to drop Frankenstein's coffin into the exact lagoon that the monster was in. That's that's some kick-ass timing, I must say. Oh, it's a good shot. Yeah, and so they wake him up, and it's like this hilarious, like the uh, Dracula has this this cane. Oh yeah. With the it's like a wolf or a bat or I don't Something, know what yeah. it is, and the ears come out, and there's like electrical cords and he hooks it on to the bolts in Frankenstein's neck because this is like 1930s look it's moving it's alive it's alive it's alive it's moving it's alive it's alive it's alive it's alive Get it, jump start him. Yeah, he has bolts. And so he hooks them up and then he turns the thing upside, he turns the cane upside down and it extends upward and immediately on a clear night, lightning strikes because, you know, lightning always strikes in the presence of evil. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's how I grew up. I, that's something you learn in 1980s movies, you know, cars fail in the presence of evil and, and you know, lightning strikes in yeah, the presence the of evil. Yeah, lightning just... storms come on demand. That's that's a good deal. I, I miss I, I miss that. But yeah, so they they raise him up and there's this cool scene of, you know, his Frankenstein's hand coming out and reaching up to to Dracula and the the wolfman howling and the you know, the, the creature growling and the mummy just sort of standing. It's a cool shot. And as I recall, that was actually used on the posters. Yeah, I've I seen, think so, yeah. I've seen posters with that. And if that didn't find its way into the trailer, someone did something wrong. Right. Because that's the money shot. That's, yeah. You know, it's like in Commando with him spending 30 seconds cocking every weapon and holstering <laughs> everything. All of that, like, this is that. For a monster film, all these guys howling and growling and snarling and gurgling. It's awesome. Um, that makes it sound really bad, but it is actually pretty cool. Of course, we learn that, you know, we go back to Sean's house and we discover that uh, someone named Mr. Alucard has called concerning the book. How Dracula, who's been in town for like a day, has figured out exactly where that thing went. I guess there's somewhere there's a dead uh, garage sale uh, owner. Yeah. You know, sorry, man, you didn't make it through that one. Alucard, and it's funny, like you said, yeah, we got it, dude. It's Dracula. Yeah. But he's got to sit and he's got to work it out on a piece of paper. He's like literally like the last guy in in the world to figure it out is the one who should probably figure it out because he's in the monster club. Right. That's hilarious. Like, nah, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. <gasps> I wonder if I write it backwards. 
oh my goodness. Yeah, and Dracula is, is so subtle about it. Alucard, okay, thank you. Mm. But it is cool, and it does add to the plot. And again, in a modern, if this were like a 10-episode Netflix show, there'd be a whole episode where Alucard stalks Sean, and you know it would end with him realizing, oh my God, it's Dracula. It never occurred to me to... Well, then the... Yeah. Whoever took the message just just well, mom i'm guessing right so the adults are once again completely freaking clueless well let's be honest she wrote it down and walked away well let's be honest she's a, she's your standard 1980s movie mom she's always dressed really nice but she's got the bib on and she's always waiting for the boys to come home to pl- from play and she's angry that her husband has a job and it's it's every trope out there so yeah. of course she's clueless but then again that, that lieutenant uh, i don't even think we ever get his name so i, I hate to say it, but the black lieutenant he thinks this is a joke too. Like he's laughing his ass off. So, why would mom, whose world apparently is her home, mm. and not looking after her five-year-old daughter Phoebe? But that's another matter, and a little bit of child neglect there. But yeah, so she has no idea. But yeah, Alucard is looking for that book, and he's offered money, which you have to read really quickly. But when you've seen the movie twenty times, you start to notice things like that. Right. Yeah. So okay, fine. So he he clues in that Dracula's after him, and then. Oh, yeah, it's my very favorite scene of the movie. <laughs> the, the, they have this little... I don't even know what the kid's name is. The, I don't know, the, but he, he, he just kind of shows up. Yeah, they, they have like a little kid, who, and he's, he can't be more than... Well, he's not in school either, so I'm going to say he's around five or six. Apparently, it's cool to have him in the club. Of course, we know, you know no girls allowed. He's not a girl. But, yeah, he comes running into his daddy's room. There are monsters in my room. And the dad, like everyone else, thinks this is bullshit. And he jumps in, and, and it's like he reminds me a little bit of like Gilbert... Gottfried, but without that annoying voice, he looks the same. Yeah. Damn, son, look at all of these monsters. Come on, all of you monsters, out of here. Everyone, out of this room. Come ah, ah. You, on the bed. Come on, out, out, take a hike. There he goes. And the kid's just sort of sitting there, and, and Dad says, are there any more monsters? Like, there's one in the closet. And it's hilarious. Like, he pulls open the door, and he's, like, Dad's on the other side of the door, so and looking at the kid so he can't see the closet. And there's the mummy reaching out to him with his mouth open. Ah. In the closet? Sure, we can go into the closet. We can do that. Okay, monsters. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster. Ooh. And he's like, ooh, what a scary monster. But of course, he can't see it. No, him. he doesn't see it. Yeah. And it's, it's really hilarious. And then, you know, the, the dad storms off. And off goes mummy. Right. You know, because monster movie monsters are only as fast or as slow as they need to be. So, yeah, he drags himself along and it takes him 20 minutes to get across the room. But when he needs to, he can launch himself out of a closet through a window that's open about, what, two feet? Yeah. And he can do that in a second. That's an awesome monster. But that's cool because it means he's always going to be behind you no matter how slow or fast he moves. They, they never did mention why he was in that closet? Just because that's what mummies do? Or? Yeah, I guess so. It's not like he's looking for new clothing or something. I, I, they never do mention that, but it is a very cool scene. Oh, yeah. They, you know, it's, yeah, they did a good job on that one. Yeah, that was, I, I got a kick out of that one. Um, and then we have the nighttime club meeting because apparently no one notices their like 12 or 11 year old sons and a five year old son sneaking out in the middle of the night to go to Sean's clubhouse. Totally normal. Like you've got a young kid, you'd be totally fine with him sneaking out in the middle of the night to go talk about monsters. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, good. No problem. Awesome. You know, yeah. I promise to visit you in jail. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's, 
the neat thing about 80s movies, like uh, especially like kids' movies, is that these kids seem to have so much freedom. And, of course, we did. I could go anywhere I wanted. I lived in a, in a, a community, like a suburban community called, not really suburban anymore, it's called Deer Run. It's right near Fish Creek Park, a uh, provincial park we, we have right here in the city. And I could go anywhere in Deer Run I, wa- I wanted. I once wandered up a hill to Kingsland, which is a good four or five kilometers from my home. I walked there. I was eight. Never occurred to my parents that was a problem. Or walking through Fish Creek Park to Lake Sokomi, which is like this artificial beach in the middle of the park. That was a 30-minute walk through the forest. Can you imagine a parent in this day and age allowing that? Mm, no. No. It's, mm, in the not fun- unless they want social services to visit. And that's the thing. And it, ironically, it's not any more or less safe than it was. It's suburban Calgary. But there's the fear. Yeah. You know, but back then, kids had, you know, you get on your bike and, you know, the rule was generally be back before the sun sets. That was kind of your, your timing. Be back in, 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 you know, be back in time for dinner. And so these kids, I mean, yeah, it's a little much that they, they sneak out at night, but it's, that's the cool thing about the 80s is that you were expected to sort of wander off and have fun, make your own fun. Yeah. You know, there was, a, I hate memes, but there was a great meme that said, how do you know where all your kids are? And it shows a picture of a front lawn and it's covered with bikes that are yeah. all just sort of dropped on the lawn. Like that's where you know where all the kids are. Oh, they're all over there. You know, that, that, that's before Facebook, that's how you announced your status. I'm here. You know, that's how you checked in on Foursquare. Yeah, that's <laughs> where your bike was. Yeah. And, that was, and, and, and so, you know, so these kids are, this is where they realize there are real monsters. And he says it in such a juvenile way. I think there are monsters. Like it's not even a, a coherent sentence, but it's what an 11 or 12 year old would say. Yeah. Look, I think there's monsters, like real ones. And I love that. I love that these kids sound like kids and they behave like kids and they do insults like kids. Except for Creepy Rudy who's brought in a, a camera with a telephoto lens to take pictures of a what presumably is like a 16-year-old girl. So he goes on to be the Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. Wait, no. That's someone else. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it is a little creepy. You know, whatever. It's the 80s. At the time, it was just what some dudes did. I At mean, least in the movies. When I was in high school, when I was in grade... 11 so this would have been uh, the 1991-92 school year uh, <laughs> this actually made the school paper the principal allowed this to be printed the boys and girls locker rooms were beside each other with a cinder block wall between them but the cinder block wall did not go all the way to the ceiling so between you know the sort of standard paneling in the ceiling and the actual ceiling there was a space it was a crawl space really just for pipes and whatever so you could access it you know standard yeah. standard building with the push-up panels. And what these guys had done is they'd gone early, early in the morning when the first practice was going on and they'd unlocked the, uh, the locker room. These two guys took a big flathead screwdriver with them, crawled up into the crawl space over that half-risen wall into the girl's side and used the flat screwdriver to drill a hole through the, uh, through the paneling so they could, <laughs> they could yeah. spy on the girls. But it went badly for them because they they got greedy. They made the hole too big. Oh, busted. And in, and in the middle of the girls changing, they the guy dropped the, uh, or he, he nudged the screwdriver and then dropped right at the feet of a half-naked girl. She screamed. All the girls started screaming. The two guys panicked, went back over that half wall uh, into, I mean, it, the wall went all the way up. Obviously, it blocked the actual yeah. locker rooms, but it didn't go all the way beyond the paneling to the ceiling. So they were able to crawl over that into the guy's side. Of course, at this point, the gym teachers, all males, you can hear them yelling. And so they scrambled. One of them made it into the hallway, still in the ceiling. 
and came down through a panel because he landed on... Because those things are designed to support the weight of no. a human. Because they're thin... I don't even know what it is. Like a foamy wood-pressed crap. I don't know what it was. But he went right through it and crashed into the floor at the foot of the angriest gym teacher we had. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And that was the picture in the paper the following week was the picture of this mess on the floor. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's horrible what they did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not condoning that in any way, but it's just, it's like real life out of an 80s movie. Because that's the sort of 1980s antics. Exactly. And, and I got a kick out of that. Of course, there's also in Porky's, which takes place in the 50s. But that's an 80s movie too. Remember the same thing where they're peeking through the shower? Uh, I don't think I've seen Porky's. Really? That's yeah. a, it's a, that's a uh, what my friend used to call the 80s a hooter film. It's it's all it's all eighties boobs and it's 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 like a raunchy sex comedy, but the same sort of thing, peeking in on the girls. But at least Rudy isn't being quite that bad. He's just uh, taking pictures of a girl who spends an awful lot of time changing, as it turns out. Seems to be mostly what she does. Yeah, and 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 you know, looking at herself in the mirror. So, okay, whatever works. But yeah, you know, I, I didn't spend that much time examining myself in the mirror. But what do I know? No, um, neither. Yeah, I, I didn't have time. Yeah, in high school, yeah, I didn't have time for that. Yeah, because the next thing is we learn is scary German guy. And they're all, you know, because they realize they need someone to read Van Helsing's diary, which is in German, you know, and, and, and so they want to talk about, you know, they, they say, like, we need someone to translate this. Well, scary German guy, I bet he speaks German. And the guy says, well, great. Well, how do you say, please don't kill me in German? Firstly, he's scary, okay? And B, he's German. Maybe he doesn't even speak English. Okay, so what's German for? Please don't murder us. Bitte, morden Sie uns nicht. And so, of course, scary German guy is right there and, and conveniently translates it for them. And that's cool. Like, he's a neat character, scary German guy, who sadly never gets a name. But it's really subtle how they hint uh, he's Jewish. You see the menorah, which is like that Jewish candelabra that Jews do during uh, Hanukkah. It's sort of mm -hmm. in the background. And I didn't notice it until years afterwards. And, but at the end of the scene, like after he's translated and you realize the amulet and the prophecy, blah, blah, blah. Remember, fat kid, Horace, says, Wow, you sure knew, you sure do know a lot about monsters. And he says, Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye, thank, thank you, so you much very much for, for all your time. Ooh. Thank you. I expect you boys thought I was some kind of monster myself. Hmm? A vampire, perhaps? That's quite all right. But I am not, you know. If I were a vampire, then I wouldn't have a reflection. Now, would I? Man, you should know a lot about monsters. Now that you mention it, I suppose I do. Yeah. And as he closes the door, we see, you know, the most horrific tattoo you're ever going to see, which, of course, is a concentration camp tattoo. Yeah, the number on his arm. Yeah. yeah, and that's almost, like, too intense for this, like, kid's film about a dog, a fish, and a, and a dead guy. Yeah. Like, like a Holocaust survivor? Ooh. But it was the 80s, and... There seemed to be a lot of movies about the Holocaust in the 80s, and so maybe this is just, well, let's add that. You know, the understanding of this guy knows what true evil is. It's almost like an anchor to the real world. Mm -hmm. Because if anyone knows what evil is, it's someone who's been, in, you know, someone with that tattoo, you don't ever have to ask them about evil. And he's actually yeah. an adult who helps them. Yes, that's true. He's like the cool guy, because he may not believe any of this bullshit. Because remember, even later when they pick him up, uh, on the road, he says, let's go back to my house and have pie. Yeah, exactly. He's not even sure he believes this shit yet. It's not until the mummy catches them on the road. Right. That he starts to realize, okay, maybe this shit's real. But up until, but yeah, he takes them seriously. And, you know, in a movie where, you know, something traumatic has to happen before these adults clue in. Like, 
you know, the the the, the Dell, the the cop has to. What is it that finally gets him? Oh yeah, he gets an angry call. Crenshaw. Hurry, get all your men and send them down to six 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 Shadowbrook Road. It's an old mansion. He's found the amulet. There's there's no time. Because even when the when the Wolfman escapes from his captivity and changes into the Wolfman, like in the, what do you call in, it? The in the phone booth, booth. Yeah. yeah, there's a relic for you, uh, and you know you just okay, some crazy guy in the phone, thank you. But when you know when some guy calls up and says, "I'm coming for, you, I will have your son" or whatever yeah, he he's, says, he's coming for your son. Yeah, and and it's like that. Even then, he doesn't. Not until he starts shooting Dracula and Dracula flies away, does he clue in this is real. Of course, at that point, Dell's partner is dead and. Who laughed right up until you know someone lobbed TNT under his it's car? His car. But uh, of course, we missed the coolest scene of the film—the one that haunted you for thirty years. Yes, you finally discover that Wolfman has nards. Yeah, this is like this cool thing where they go into six 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 Shadowbrook Road and they get attacked by the Wolfman. <laughs> Wolfman's got nards. That's like nards, and you know it's like when they ask the girl, "Are you a virgin?" They finally have to go after Sean, uh, the, the kids, not Sean, but the friend's sister, the one he's been creeping on, to find out if she's a virgin. It's like we'd like to know whether or not you've been dorked. <laughs> okay, I don't. For the record, I don't ever recall anyone ever using that term. Look, what's your brother is so delicately attempting to inquire and let me on my own personal curiosity is the degree to which you may have or have not at some point in time been dorked you guys are sick uh no oh, baby i want to dork you so bad like that's yeah that's a mm. that, that that's a turn off right there yeah, and no, the date is over yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah it's like that yeah try again buddy yeah so that's a cool scene and they wind up in the basement where they discover the amulet, they're able to steal it, and Dracula comes at them. And the coolest way to fend off a vampire ever... Garlic pizza. Garlic pizza burns him. But it's hilarious, because it's, it's the fat kid and the joke that, of course, he has food with him. But he uses it... like it's just It, it's, it reminds me a lot of... Um, what's the name of the kid from the Goonies who does the truffle shuffle? Oh, uh, Chunk. Chunk, yes, Chunk. It's the same sort of thing. He's fat... And they make fun of him for his weight, but at the same time, his weight gives him superpowers. In this case, the fact that he always needs to eat. And, it, and it's kind of mean, but at the same time, it was the 80s version of, see, he can help too. Yeah. Though in the end, he gets to be the biggest badass of them all. Right. Right. So they, you know, so they race down to the town square. They get the really cool thing with the mummy hanging onto the back of the car. And uh, Rudy, who spent the day in junior high shop class fashioning... Uh, wooden stakes and silver bullets. Man, I was in the wrong shop class. He he grabs the you know the the mummy's um, bandages, ties into an arrow, and first shot from a moving car manages to put that arrow into a tree. But that's it for the mummy. Yep. And the cool thing is, you realize there's nothing to this mummy but his skull. Yep. There's nothing else. The rest of it is just like dust. Dust. Because as he comes unraveling, um, I mean that's a gag. 
like having awesome. it unravel behind you as you're driving in a car. And usually that would be like your sweater or something like that. But here it's yeah. him. It's like it's like a Bugs Bunny gag. Yeah, Scooby-Doo episode. But it's cool. Yeah, you're right. In a Scooby-Doo episode, that's how they catch the bad guy. The bad guy's uh, costume would get caught on a door handle. And by the time he caught up to Scooby-Doo, it would be just like the helmet. Yeah. Yes, might have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Here it's, it's like, creepy Mr. Watson. Yeah, exactly. But here it's, it's really cool because as he does it, you see like amorphous bundles of dust that were probably his legs and arms like he just disintegrates it's very very cool like whatever body there was without those wrappings there's nothing to it it's just it's, it's a cool scene and they go to the town center which is apparently is surrounded by 60 60 miles of white picket fence as we'll discover later and they you know and and they have the teenage daughter who at least this time is fully clothed and has been blackmailed by creepy rudy with his pictures we got them back in one day. I don't remember a photo mat ever returning my pictures in a day, but Not whatever. Same day. Same day, actually. Not even a day. Same day. Same. Uh, they've convinced her to admit she's a virgin, which we learn is a lie. And while she's reading badly, the you know, Van Helsing's diary, everyone else gets to take on a bad guy. And Rudy gets to take on the Brides of Dracula. And remember I said that was like the coolest scene with these three, you know, young girls in the sort of the, the sort of standard virginal white nighty. Yeah. Right out of the 30s. Well, that, that sh- shot has to be in every Dracula movie I've ever seen. Very likely. Well, at least the older ones, anyway. In these days, they all sparkle. But Van Helsing, too, though. Van Helsing had it. Uh, I have never uh, seen that film. I, I mean, actually, that's not true. Maybe I did. Because I have a recall of a very cool ball. Like a dance ball. Yeah. And it was very, very cool because it was filmed well. But I don't think I've ever... I, that's, that's how much I remember that film. Must have been. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it, it's a very, very standard image. Just like... When they're back in the house and, and he opens the Sean opens the closet door and the brides are there, they all come at him with their arms straight out in front of them because that's how you know they're evil. They're reaching for you. Right. But of course, Frankenstein's monster does the same thing and the mummy does the same thing. He drags the one arm in front of him. Yep. The only one who doesn't do that. I mean, even the Wolfman is always reaching because that's how you know something's out to get you. It reaches forward. Uh, so he takes out the three. Uh, what do you call it? the three brides of of Dracula? They never call them that, but that's what traditionally yeah, they call the brides of. Dell shows up and they blow up the Wolfman, but we've discovered that accidents with a power tool will not kill the Wolfman because he reassembles. Just like, by the way, this just dawns on me. Just like the guy from Groundhog's Day Seven, where they blow him up. It's a, I just now occurs to me. It's a reference to the jokes they made earlier. Nice. I hadn't. I wonder how much of that was thought of. It they just, stuck TNT down his pants and blew him blew up. Blew him up, and he reassembles because that's what you do in a monster movie. I wonder if that was on purpose or not. Maybe we're just reading more into it because, you know, the reason he, the reason Dell has a stick of dynamite is because Dracula used a stick or three sticks to blow up a thankfully empty treehouse, which we've totally skipped over. Phoebe spent the day in with frankenstein's monster hanging out because in, instead of killing the kids like he was ordered to he's hanging out with them yeah how the hell did he get up into that treehouse? he's not very dexterous well if if you notice also the 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 coffin that they drop out of the bomber yeah it's a standard size coffin yeah oh yeah and he's really tall monster is like eight feet tall that's right i hadn't thought about that yeah so i guess well he shrinks and he can uh, maybe phoebe helped him up wait no she's like six uh but yeah so whatever so dracula blows it up and then he blows up the car with the black lieutenant in it so the joke's on him. He's been laughing this whole film. Dell, Dell, Dell! Look, I'm sorry. What you trying to tell me that we're gonna go all the way out the Shadow Brick Road because you get a call from some guy who tells you he's a werewolf? <laughs> hey! 
look, I'm sorry. I guess it's feasible, Dale. Listen to me. Come on, man. I apologize, all right? <laughs> when he gets blown up. Freeze! You move and I'll kill you! Dispatch, we got a 1035. Sit back up. Hurry it up! Yeah, so quantum. Yeah, and then yeah, exactly. And so then he leaves. He leaves his um, his hearse behind, and so I guess that's where Dell got the, the TNT from. But I wonder whether, like I said, did they did they think when they blew up the Wolfman with that last piece of TNT? I wonder if they were hearkening back to the the conversation of, well, of course the guy always comes back. It's a Groundhog's Day movie, or whether that just happens to be. I don't know. Maybe we're putting more thought into this than they did. It's hard to tell. Or there there really is only one way to kill a werewolf. Well, this is true. Well, Zach, well, TNT isn't really a power tool. I mean, it's powerful and it is a tool, but I wouldn't qualify that as a power tool. You don't get that at Home Depot. No, there's uh, there's no safety guard to this remove. Is, this is true. Uh, <laughs> this is true. Well, hey, he didn't, he didn't even need a match to light his. But, uh, you know, remember... Yeah, Dracula lights it with his eyes. I don't even think he was looking at it. I think he was just sort of holding it and lit. Ooh. But I want to know how they figured that one out. I want to I want to know how they managed that effect because it's not a digital, but in any case. You know, so they... The uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon comes out through the uh, through the sewer grate, or sorry, the manhole, mm-hmm. and Horace blows him away with a shotgun, yeah. and and the, the bully from earlier, EJ, who's you know from the very beginning of the film, is like, "Hey, fat kid, good job." My name is Horace. <laughs> Horace. That's awesome. Like it's that's the only time where it's sort of pole vaults over credibility into ridiculous yeah but it totally earned it well yeah like it if that if they've been doing those sorts of things throughout i think it would have been silly but here they don't also if you notice they swear a lot at this point in the movie like everyone's swearing a lot of holy shits and all that sort of stuff right up until then the only swear was when fat kid mumbles asshole to ej and gets beat up for it and when Sean gets the diary and says, holy shit, I mean, I holy, mean cow. holy cow. Yeah. And, and corrects himself because that's, kids weren't allowed to swear. I mean, I assume they still aren't around their parents, but by the time they get to the town square, they're swearing left and right because now they're freaking out because yeah. of course they are. Like the one thing about Rudy is as cocky as he is, when he actually kills those three women, he sort of sits there stunned because he just killed three people. Yeah. And I appreciated that, that they, there's a little bit of, just a little bit of realism. I mean, this is a movie where mommy was in my closet and then the kid writes in crayon, dear army people, there are monsters, come. Um, though apparently that works because the army shows up eventually. Yeah, and Rudy pulls it together enough to also shoot Wolfman. This is true. Who thanks him? That was cool. That was a very humanizing, I mean, look, they're all two-dimensional 1930s yeah. cardboard cutout characters, but it's cool that... The simple thing, thank you. God. Thank you. And I don't know why, I just, I really like it. It adds a little bit of quote unquote humanity. That's another handy coincidence that 100 years, uh, 100 years on when the amulet opens, there's a full moon. That worked really well. What anyway. are the chances? Yeah, what are the chances? Exactly. So there's, you know, there's the, there's the, uh, there's you know the, the ritual, and we discover that uh, this girl is not a virgin because Steve doesn't count, apparently. Are you absolutely sure that she is? You're not a virgin, are you? No? No, what do you mean, no? Well, Steve, but he doesn't count! Doesn't count! And 
if this were a, a feminist podcast, we could spend forever talking about like the question you asked, which is, why does the Virgin have to be a girl? Yeah. But that's again, that's a very traditional thing. Oh yeah, it's a. This is the era. If you're making fun of all the monster movies, of course the Virgin has to be a girl. Yeah, but even today, does anyone ever talk about whether a boy is a virgin unless he has to, he just got to get some? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you're talking about we need a virgin, we need purity to do some ritual, you got to go for a girl. Okay, so then they use Phoebe. Is she a virgin? She? A virgin? Yes. A virgin! We use the girl! She can't read! She's five years old! I'll help her! Which is the little boy said, is she a version? Is she a version? Yeah. Uh, and that was cute. And it's kind of neat because, you know, she, he, you know, the scary German guy has to read it to her because of course she doesn't speak German. Yeah. She's freaking five. Um, and it's really neat how Dracula grabs her by the chin, mm-hmm. lifts her up. Give me the amulet, you bitch. Which I wonder <laughs> if I can. Five. Yeah, I know. And, and she starts screaming. And that's when Frankenstein's monster has had enough of this shit. Don't you call my little friend up bitch but that remind me of like uh from aliens get away from her you bitch yeah it's like the opposite is the bad guy saying and it was quite cute and he gets thrown onto a an iron stake which doesn't work because it's not wood and you know it does the, look like it sucks momentarily yeah and then the vortex starts pulling in all that 60 miles of white picket fence and you know, Dracula tries to drag Sean with him to hell, but Van Helsing shows up, and the, the five seconds that Van Helsing's been in the new world, he learns thumbs up, and it all sort of ends. And then the army shows up because they got a crayon, right? Crayon thing that said there are monsters, please come. Well, I like, I liked your point, was that it wasn't a real, accurate army. It was a little kid's version of an army. Yeah, World War Two jeeps, and. I think it must have been like a Sherman tank. Yeah. But there was a movie that came out with James Gardner at the same time called Tank about this 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 sergeant major or whatever who owns a Sherman tank like it's a hobby. It's a bad film, but it's I wonder if that's they like like this the movie studio had it handy. Yeah. Let's use that. It's but just he, sitting there. Yeah. But yeah, but you're right. Like it's it's a it's how a five year old views army men, not even soldiers, army men. Right. And the and, and the general could someone tell me what the Sam hell is going on like. That's out of every World War II film this boy has seen. Yeah. And I love that. They're not even pretending. Yeah. You know, these days it'd be guys with, you know, you'd hear the, the radio chatter and they'd have the M16s with the 65 doodads on it and then everyone would be clad in black and it'd be this high-tech, you know, tactical squad. No, no, it's just, it's army men who came. Yeah, army men. And, the, like, the general even had the little goofy mustache. Yeah, the, the standard mustache. And did he, have a, did he have a cigar? I forget. Remember. Maybe it's just in my head he has a cigar because in my head army men generals have cigars. Have cigars, right? Yeah, and then it ends with bad white man rap, the Monster Squad. Oh. Yeah, which we didn't even finish because it's bad white man rap. You know, it's like, Ugh. but it was the mid '80s and rap was becoming hip. Like they even did a, a Zelda commercial. That's Legend of Zelda had a commercial of two white guys. It's the Legend of Zelda and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks, Tech Tech's levers too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. 
Yeah, go Link. Yeah, get so Awesome. Intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up. Oh. Rap was cool at this point. So this, so you know, Fred Decker says, find me someone to rap about monsters. Jeez. It was bad, but that's the only bad part of the movie, I would argue. Yeah. Well, that's not true. There is the 80s montage we missed. Rock Until You Drop. Okay, that's a bad song, but that's where we get to learn that contributions will include writing crayon invitations to the army and spending your time in junior high shop class making bullets. Right. Full bullets. Full bullets, yeah. Like, it's not just that he was able to make the slug out of Sean's mother's silverware. Wouldn't that have been funny if it hadn't been silver? Oops. Yeah, thankfully, it was actually silver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's hilarious, but, like, and, you know, he's making wooden stakes and... The shop teacher, I mean, I guess most shop teachers in, in, in movies are shown to be clueless and doesn't notice him making, like, boiling silver and making bullets. Right, because crucibles are standard kit. In, Is that what in, that's called, a crucible? I think so. Okay, well, like, like the mold in any case. like. Well, the, the crucible is the, the hot part. Oh, oh, okay, like the kiln sort of the, thing. Yeah, the melty thing and then the right. scoop and then you pour it into the okay. mold and yeah. the slug comes out. And then you... Well, maybe he brought that from home. Which leads to my next question. Where the hell is the shop teacher going? Um, son, I'm sorry, but you can't make bullets in my class. That was also the biggest, uh, most strangely laid out, poorest lit shop class I've ever seen. You know what it looks like? It looks like a warehouse. And I've actually seen shops like that, like school shops where they're like they're two stories high. And really a lot of times what it was is just they, they, build, it, they, they build it bigger than they need to. So there's a lot of air. Yeah. And stuff like that. But yeah, most shop classes don't look like they're in freaking barns. Yeah, it looked, it looked more like a scene from Flashdance. Yeah. I, 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 it's a matter of where they could find the set. Like, yeah. pr- like maybe they just couldn't find a local high school that would let them film. So they went to like a wood shop, maybe somewhere on the set, on the, like on the, on the, oh, the universal yeah, lot. that would make sense. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the shop on the studio, yeah. Yeah, like they get a bunch of actors, like things like that. Like we look at it and we're putting a lot of thought into it. The set, like the, the location manager probably said, shit, I need a set. I need it for... 10 seconds of film. Where are we going to go? We can do it right here. Let's go. And so they just do it on the set. Why not? And it was, like you said, part of the standard 80s music montage. Yeah, and it's it's a bad it's bad music. That's the thing. The songs in this are bad. The music is great. It's like the, the creepy music with the, the violins and the string, you know, the high pitch when any, you know, when, when evil's around. Yeah. Into- That's cool. It's a great soundtrack. I would love to find it. I'm sure it doesn't exist. But those two songs are awful. So bad. Yeah, it, it's awful. Um, so we've gone through this, and we should probably wrap up. So I guess the big question we always ask is, does it hold up? What do you think? I think it did. Why does it hold up, do you think? The standard monsters are, are still the standard monsters. But even, do you think the universal, that like a universal movie monster motif where it's like the 1930s, do you think that sticks around in 2017? Do you think that works? 
mean, obviously for wee little kids, they don't know the difference. They think it's cool, but... Yeah, I don't know. For me, it does, but I'm yeah. st- I'm still me. Yeah, we're, yeah, we came from the 80s, I don't, exactly. I don't yeah. actually know very many, like, 15-year-olds right now. Yeah, fair enough, nor I. Um, I know a 13-year-old is my, my nephew, but he and I know he liked the movie because I had to fight to get it back from him, but yeah. I would say it does sort of hold up. It, it's a little more of a relic. Like, I think the first thing a kid today watching would be asking is, why is Dracula dressed that way? Yeah. Like, the others are pretty standard. And it's just like, well, this is what... This is what Bela Lugosi, the most famous actor to play Dracula, dressed like. And he was looking at the play, uh, which is how he dressed like this, a 1930s noble, like Eastern European nobleman with essentially a really overly fancy tuxedo. And he has a cape because it's not a superhero thing or a supervillain thing. His capes were what noblemen wore. You know, today capes we associate with either superheroes or Star Wars, where everyone wears a cape or a cloak or something. But there, it was a sign of wealth. It was to keep you warm. Yeah. Through you know through those movies, it's become a cliche. But that's what he's meant to be, and I think and I think it, I think it works as a relic. And it's it's still fun. The, yeah. The jokes are fun. The adults are goofy. And like you said, it walks that line between ridiculous and. And just fun. Yeah, and the one time it, it jumps over with, you know, my name is Horace. That's hilarious. That's like, okay. That they earned work. it. They yeah. earned it by not being stupid all the time so that when they do go over, you sort of smile and go, yeah, yeah cool. There it is. That's cool, yeah. So, out of five stars, however you want to rate it, what would you give it out of five stars? Uh, four? Yeah, I would give it four, too. I have to take, I have to take off a star for the rap. And rock until you drop. I'm yep, sorry, but exactly. they, 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 they yeah. you, you must be punished for that. Yeah, just, and then Fred Decker, you know, mm. you know, poor choice. 80s but. white man rap is is punishable. Any, well, that's true. Eminem's pretty good, but yeah, it, yeah, 80s white man rap is 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 bad. Yeah. So, it's and fun. on that note, I think we'll end it because we're going a little long. And so there it is, the Monster Squad. <laughs>